Hi, I'm Chelsea Wise. Navigating the chaotic waters of marketing can be murky and riddled with not-so-helpful paywalls and fancy speak. We all deserve better, and we should expect better. Since 2010, I've been challenging the marketing and advertising industries, questioning the true impact of KPIs, paid social media ads, and terms like creative content creation and sustainable growth. Let's unearth the way that things have been done. Let's talk about marketing and business growth in a no-nonsense way. In each episode, I'll give you tips and tools you can start using as soon as the episode is done. Let's wise up. Hello, welcome to Wise Up Podcast with Chelsea Wise. Today, I'm very excited to have a special guest with me, Ms. Barbara Rappaport of Real-Time Perspectives. You are a leadership aficionado, a executive coach, a seer into the third eye of all people's minds. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) I'm really excited to have you on my show and to talk more about what you've learned running and operating your own business, and then how you take care of your business as a business owner. How do you take care of yourself and replenish? Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Well, you know, it's always an honor to be asked. And I was thinking back to when you and I first met years ago in a store. And I was so taken because you came up to me and you started chatting with me. Not knowing who I was, you just, we knew similar people. I think I knew and, your daughter Lee at the time. Yeah. It was and Black Lamb, I remember. Oh, yeah. So that was right. I couldn't think of the name of the store. I know where it was. Oh, I miss so it. it it's, I don't think it's, in, it's not open anymore. Correct. And I miss it because it was that eclectic, almost like East Coast vibe to it. It had yeah. a, a difference in its. So that's so fun. Thank you for sharing that memory. Oh. Yes. I remember how. It struck me that you put yourself out that way. And that's a big thing I like to talk about with women is like, don't be afraid to do that. Another thing, I gleaned so many awesome insights from you when I went through Leading Edge. And that's really what rocked my, at the time I was working full-time, part-time at another agency. I had taken a format position within my own company. I had started my company in 2015. And then in 2019, I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to go in house somewhere. (laughs) See what happens there. And that fall was enrolled in your program and totally rocked my world and made me question a lot of things and be very introspective, which anybody who knows me now knows I love that stuff. Thought leadership, thought work. Personal and professional development is my love language. (laughs) And there were just lots of really beautiful things about that program. I'd love to hear what your favorites are about the programs that you teach. So you have a few that you had through the chamber, but then you have a few in your own business, real-time perspectives too. Please tell me some more about those. I'd be happy to. I think there's a common theme actually in all of them which is a phrase you're going to know and people who've worked with me know, which is I have this tremendously firm belief that people know their own answers to what they're challenged by and questioning and all that introspection that can lead to making different choices that are more satisfying in life, that outside experts can be helpful, but they don't have your answers. Only you have your answers. So people know me 
know that I always say when I work with them, you know, the first thing you have to know about me is I believe the answers are in the room. And what I try to do is create environments for those answers to surface. So whether it was for the chamber for 15 years, I ran talent development programs for them, you know, leadership focused. Now, of course, I always had my own practice, real-time perspectives. But again, at the core, I may have different topics like resilience. Uh, One I did recently in the Athena forum last week, how to be your own best friend, peer coaching, uncovering hidden barriers. I mean, whatever they are, it's always to open up a sense of safety in being courageous about finding your own answers and not trying to avoid them or run away from them or hide from them and at least pay attention Mm. to them in new ways. Mm When I remember when I first heard the words like the answers are already here, they're already within you. It's just being still and quiet enough to allow, like you said, to create safety enough. When you say that, do you get a lot? It can't be that easy. Like, what do you mean the answers are in any room? Don't we have to do like all of this data collection and surveys and experiments and all of these things to know what direction the business department strategy, whatever should go? I guess in fairness, I have to tell you, I have never had anyone resist the notion. Oh, good. Now, the hard work around it, certainly resistance can surface. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly normal because all of the things that hold us back are actually there in most of my experience to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't give that up so easily. We should be thoughtful about what the the thresholds are that we're willing to push beyond. But I guess, I don't know, you know, Chelsea, other people who've seen me at work would have to weigh in on this. I can only, as you know, give you my perspective. Um, It's so much better to know and make intentional choices about knowing. Mm Mm-hmm than to live in that uncertainty and anxiety of not knowing and trying to defend against something that actually may never even come your way. Mm. And it's such a drain of energy to do that. And it leaves many moments of dissatisfaction for some people. So it's pretty important to me that any work I do, whether it's one-on-one group, speeches, doesn't matter. I do all of this. I do HR Mm. consulting. We still have to make sure that we create an environment where it's safe. And I'll use the word over and over and over, but it, it may sound cliche, but and I wouldn't do anything if I didn't feel safe. What hundred percent. I'm I'm I coach my own clients on that when it comes to marketing and leveling up the business and the what the nervous system has to do with you as a business owner when you're marketing your business, when you're offering a new service or a new product or whatever that you're wanting to launch and being aware of that response. Because like you said, you don't want to get rid of that response because it's there to protect you. But how do we reframe it in a way where we can express gratitude? Thank you for trying to keep me safe, like reassuring that fight or flight or I like to call the inner um, side of me, Bert. <laughs> it was a name that I gave that uh, through business really? coaching. Bert likes to come up and he has so many reasons why I shouldn't be doing this podcast, why I shouldn't be putting myself on social media, why I shouldn't be just 
coming up to people and telling them about my business because what if they don't like me and what if they don't like the services? Great. Thanks for, I think I got this. Like I got like, thank you so much for trying to protect me. Hand on my heart. But I got this. So I resonate so much with that work of creating safety and becoming your own best friend and your nervous system's own best friend. How do you do that for yourself as a business owner? You do so much of this impactful coaching for and consulting and thought work. How do you regulate your own safety and your own nervous system through this work? Because it's probably, I don't want to say, it's not threatening, but it can be exhausting. It can be very maybe unsettling asking these questions in different groups of people and not sure the response coming up. How do you regulate yourself? I guess the first part of the answer to that from my vantage point would be, I don't take ownership when I'm in the room with people of what the answer is for that, right? I kind of alluded to that earlier. So it's much easier actually in the room with people not to get anxious mm. and not to panic and not to think I'm in over my head because when those trigger emotion, because I'm human, right? I can feel like, whoa, like in Athena, we have a full house, as you know, you were there, sold out crowd. I was like, am I going to be able to do this? The whole ride there was like, yeah, you know, can I do this? But once I'm in the room, it's really the responsibility of the individuals with me to make choices about what's meaningful mm. to them at that moment in time. So, for example, if I were facilitating a group that needed to get to a problem solution, if they're not getting there, my role, as I see it, is to do a pause and ask the group, based on what I'm observing, what would you like to do about it? Mm. And it takes all the anxiety away because they get to choose. So when I'm out of that, I, because I am an introvert like you, I put in my full days, my full weeks, some weeks more full than others, some with more things going on that create that initial, and I do it, question. Mm -hmm. But I need a lot of a long time. And it's really interesting because my husband and I are totally different. He just wants to be with people all the time. He's always looking to see what our social life can be. I come home and I work on the New York Times puzzles. I read, um, I'm a voracious reader of fiction to keep myself like mm -hmm. other world of ideas and thoughts and character development and, and what motivates people. So I need to do that for myself as a human being. But the business certainly sets expectations around how much time I can put in and need to put in. And if I don't, modulate that i can be just as overwhelmed as anybody else in over my head and asking myself is that really what i want today in my life hmm. i like all of that the part that came out to me was when you i get this when i'm meeting with a client and asking them um we're going over a strategy or a campaign and what's the best practice on how to move forward based off of the results that we want to see and where the business is headed. And you're like a facilitator of the mind, you know, a trusted partner in their mind space to reassure them when things get maybe a little dark or scary or unknown, like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We're still here. We're good. 
as business owners, you know, I think maybe we take out an immense amount of responsibility on ourselves to make sure everything goes well, but forgetting sometimes that there's another person on the other side of that relationship that's just as involved. How could we remind ourselves of that? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I hope I remember them both now that I said that. <laughs> One is a belief that as adults, we go through stages of our own capacity to handle things that feel overwhelming and complex. And I think you can just even imagine moving from, you know, teenager to mature adult who has grandchildren, right? There's that whole span, many, many, many years. You're not the same person typically that you were as a teenager when you're that person who's got the grandchildren. And that's because you have maturity and wisdom based on experience and a realization oftentimes that the things you worried about the most were not really the most important to you. Mm. So having that understanding is really, really helpful that a moment in time is not your whole life. So when you're worried about these things in your business, uh, can you pull it all together? You can pull it together well enough. If you set your own standard as to what's well enough, not setting some abstract standard that mm -hmm. you don't even know is relevant. What you're trying to achieve. You are allowed to change. You can change your mind. You can evolve into something else. Yep. Give your business a new name, change the services, modify things. I remember, especially when I started my business, being so afraid of that. And now having undergone a rebrand and a lot of this work with my coach, you realize like, oh, nobody really cares. Can they still trust me? Am I still being honest and adding valuable information? Am I educating myself to make sure that I'm providing the best answer in this moment in time? Yes. I am. Yeah. Okay. Well, they don't care what it looks like then. They just want to know that they can trust you, that you'll take yeah, your yeah. old space yeah. for them, et cetera. That's a great example of setting your own standards. It's very hard to do that because we are all wired for connection, as Brene Brown says, right? Giving yourself permission to evolve, to change, and stripping away the fear of, well, what are people going to think if I'm like this, if I show the messy parts of my evolution? And what I've learned over the last year is that's actually a really great point of connection for people. If you're honest about like, hey, I did this in my business for X amount of years and it was really helpful for these reasons. But this is what I'm seeing shift in the landscape of I'm going to talk about marketing specifically in the landscape of marketing, in the landscape of small business development. We can't sell all the time. People don't want to don't want to listen to that anymore. So we have to adjust and provide an immense amount of value and the relationship first, allowing the messy parts of evolution to be seen because that helps generate trust too. I think people in, in accordance with that take value from you when you think in a way that's really compelling and that's what they value. So even in part of my work, I actually evaluate coaches. I had one of them yesterday and they turned in their material. I read it in advance, give them feedback. And the woman's thinking was out of this world and she was a brand new coach. Mm. Just, you know, the coaching practice. Yeah. And when I looked at her material, 
there was just something there that was missing. And I said to her, it's okay that you didn't do it perfectly. Where you are in time and the great thinking capacity you have, your analytical Mm -hmm. abilities, your ability to take in information that's totally foreign to you and make immediate sense of it. That's what matters. So Mm. that process that you bring to clients, that I bring to clients, I think it's pretty powerful. And I also think it speaks to this issue that many women owners, some men too, I see it mostly in women, is, well, no, no, we have to be perfect. And I stand by my belief that it's not something we should aspire to. Well, it doesn't perfection, exist. Yeah. Perfection really gets in the way. Yeah. It gets in the way. I think you don't understand that it's more fun to see how the imperfect, along with whatever is wonderful, integrates in a way that makes everything more meaningful, everything more valuable. Because you're not hiding from a part mm. of the human experience. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to strip away the word perfect and imperfect and making them just like imperfect is now just human. Like there's a human element. I send newsletters out every week. There's probably a few grammatical errors and spelling errors in there. But I was in that mode and writing and it was full of passion. So I'm just going to send it because that's going to come through stronger if I read it again and I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't say that because somebody might get offended or this might. (laughs) I wish I could talk to you for forever. How long have you had your business again? I was in the corporate world. I left after a 20-year career there that was preceded by um, a career mostly in college administration. So I get clients that are, or this this uh, viewership, uh, listenership would be interested in, and like, what made that, they often ask me, like, what made you want to start your own business? And mine was, I just felt this gut passion to do things differently. I didn't care for the red tape anymore. I wanted to be able to speak unfiltered to be the champion of my own destiny <laughs> to do all of this. What was that for you? For me, what's coming out of a corporate career, I was on the executive team at Steelcase. I had a phenomenal career there, as I said, for 20 years. But the last part of that was post 9-11 and a tremendous percentage of our employees were terminated mm. through a reduction in force. And I was a big part of that experience, helping people make that transition, both those who left and those who stayed. And it was very hard to live under those conditions because there wasn't a whole lot of hope. And I actually was thinking about talking to you today, and I realized the only time that same sense of hopelessness came to me was actually during COVID, mm-hmm. when I talked to my clients who were experiencing what I experienced back, you know, post-2001. So I wanted a kind of career path where I could see hopefulness, joy, uh, potential short term, right? I had done a lot of major projects at Steelcase and I had done my last big project there was a global culture analysis. And it took, you know, ages for the research to come together and then the reports to be created and then the checking of the data and then putting it out into the universe. You know, year and a half is easy. Mm. And now when I work with a client one on one, I know in the hour 
what that person is taking in or not taking in because I ask and I'm curious and I see where we can go next. And there's this immediacy mm. of helping people move to that cliche phrase of, so what are your answers and what's the potential that the next level? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. So that's what made me go. And I was well positioned to do it. I had a great set of competencies and skills that mm-hmm. fit what I'm doing now. Did you ever have a season where you're like, I don't know if this is going to sustain me? As things are changing, there's a next gen, there's a generation and a generation after that coming up, and there's all these tools now, and AI is going to take over our jobs. It's not. So I used it today. <laughs> it's a tool. I know. I, know. <laughs> I think it's normal. I don't want to use that word, but it's a part of the human experience to question, is this a good fit for me? Am I in the right spot? Do I know enough to compete with what's coming behind me? Is the next generation? How do you care for your your thoughts or your headspace during that? Interesting you use the word compete because I think what I've learned in the last couple of days thinking about speaking with you was my competition has actually always been with myself. Mm. When I do the spelling bee puzzle in the New York Times every day, I want to get to genius level. No one in the universe knows whether I get to genius level or not. But I have this compulsion, right? Because I'm competing against myself. I don't need to do that anymore. And I think part of that is just experience and also my age. I'm in that third phase of career path. If there's three, I'm in the third, which is a lot of giving back. And I don't feel in competition with the younger generations. I want to let go so they can take over, bring their perspectives, because I'm all about perspective taking, and I can't have the perspectives they have. And frankly, I didn't want to show up as if I were trying. So I am making changes, but you well know, and I want to tell your listeners this if they don't know, if they want to see the quality of your work, check my website, Real-Time Perspectives, (laughs) because you just redid it. And even Thank though we're you. doing more things. <laughs> yes. Um, you Always refining. Yeah. Because I want to show a different focal point than I did mm. in the past. And this one, the real big one is peer coaching, mm. where I really want to take my skills and not try to be the thought leader that I became because I have mm. my own point of view around leadership. But what? more the, how can I bring more to scale? This capability of coaching one another, because I saw it in my programs, like the one you were in, Leading Edge. Mm-hmm. I allowed mm-hmm. all of you in the program over all those years to coach one another, and you were masterful at it, all of you. But you needed it, the right conditions. It was really wonderful to be in that type of space where, yeah, really the only person holding me back was myself. Because it, we had this understanding in our group and you lay out the expectations at the beginning that this is, we're trying to create an environment where we can allow our thoughts to dance. We can allow ideas to be explored. We can allow um, some of maybe the messy answers that we weren't, we didn't know were there as they get uncovered to maybe like shake the dust off a little bit and see if we like them. Or if we want to modify them or just being honest and aware of those things. I'm excited that you have launched this peer coaching because I think there's so much value in rewriting the story that, well, there's competition out there and we need to be better than so-and-so and 
that's just not, there's eight and a half billion people on this planet. Competition is fabricated. Yeah. <laughs> as, a marketing, as a marketing lie. <laughs> I have a great story about that, and I know he'll be okay with it. My elder child is my son, a lawyer, and he was fortunate to go to Harvard Law School after being really, um, I'm guessing probably number one in his high mm -hmm. school. Not sure, but if he wasn't one, he was real close. Mm -hmm. um, he got into Harvard even undergrad. He didn't go, but he did go for, for law school. And he called me about three weeks in and he said, Mom, I'm not the smartest person in the room anymore. That's speaking to what you just said. Like, you'll never mm. get there. If you think you are, go into a different room. <laughs> yeah. And so if you have a lot of shoulds in your life, you said some of the words you're getting rid of, imperfect or perfect. Yeah. Also, I encourage people to get rid of should. And I left something else you said, which is when you have this openness to think, here's the thing. You don't have to change your mind just because you think about it. Mm. No one's taking away your own agency, your own ability to make your choices, guide yourself. But what to hurt? Yeah. If you open your mind, maybe you'll be surprised. And I think that's way. scary. You know, that's something I learned in therapy around some relationship conversations and stuff with friends and family members that I'm not sure something serves me anymore. And she's like, okay. I said, but what should I do about it? And she's like, you don't have to do anything. Good. You can just give it space to just yeah. be the answer. Yeah. All right. And it's unsettling for a lot of people and myself <laughs> included, depending on the subject. But don't I need to, I'm such a, um, I'm a high achiever in wanting to get things done, and uh, I'm a recovering perfectionist, but the achievement in me is still like, I just like doing stuff and getting and creating and do, allowing there just to be a thought or an idea it, in this season of your life. It can in just this, be an answer. Wherever, or maybe it's a catalyst. And again, I have this little thought that came to me uh, within the last few weeks, which was I was feeling with my life choices now with my family decisions to be closer to children mm -hmm. where my daughter lives is in New York and we have a place to go back and forth from the Grand Rapids and we're living in both places and I was feeling here was the phrase untethered mm -hmm. and I literally woke up last weekend and asked myself well what could be good about being untethered mm -hmm. and the world opened up <laughs> In, in a miraculous way. And it was just taking the same thing and asking the alternative question and seeing what surface. And we realized how we want to go back and forth. How often do we want to refurbish, you know, the place we bought? Do we want to hold on to it by maybe sell and move to something different there or whatever? And it was, we got clarity mm. because we're untethered in a way that brings adventure and fun and the unknown. Mm-hmm. Love it. It so, was your version of Bert being like, hold up a second. I feel like I should be in one spot. How am I going to be in two? I'm not quite sure. And you're like, yeah, but what if, what would be fun about this? If you're going to give airtime to the shitty thoughts, you need to give equal airtime to the imaginative, hopeful, happy thoughts too. Yeah. You can always change your mind. I don't have Bert, but I have G.I. Jane. Mm. That's the name I give to my executive functioning. Art. 
which is always in control and always mastering the schedule and, you know, juggling mm-hmm. the stuff and anticipating what others don't even think about. And I have to tell G.I. Jane to shut up. <laughs> She's still there when she needs to be. I like her when she needs to be because she mm-hmm. doesn't want But sometimes she ruins the moment. So I've got G.I. Jane. Yep. Yep. I love it. So the homework for our listeners today is to give the, like, who's your Bert? Who's your G.I. Jane? And just become allies with that part of yourself because you're not getting rid of it. No. Might as well become a friend with it and understand it and ask it questions. Yeah. And the best question to always ask is, what are they protecting us from? And can I still get that, but not do what I was doing before that has other problems? Is there a way to still get what I want? But in a different way, you use the term reframe. And that's the kind of thinking that gets you to choose different actions and reactions. Thank you so much for your time today. It was so good to see you and just thank you. scratch the surface of the work that you do. Everything can be found realtimeperspectives.com. If they want to learn right. more about you, I'll include that in the show notes too, both on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and all of the things. It's this new world that I'm in with podcasts, making sure everybody has links to everything. Just Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for so much, me. Barbara. It was great to see Take you. Care. Thank you for listening. If you have a couple of moments, please leave a review on this podcast. This helps us create more impactful content for you and continue to meet you where you are. And if you have another 30 seconds to spare, I'd love to see you on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We post weekly content there for you to take advantage of and start implementing into your business's routine and grow your business even further. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, you can visit our YouTube channel. All of the links to these social channels are listed below in the show notes. And remember, work smarter, not harder.